Almighty God, have mercy upon us. Amen. Please be seated. The prophet Amos was born in Tekoa, a town in Judah in the southern kingdom of Israel. He tells us that he was not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but a herder of sheep and a dresser of sycamore trees. Such disclaimers speak to the authenticity and humility of his calling. Amos prophesied during a time where wealth was increasing for some and for others, they were left in poverty. These disparities were a call from God that they could expect divine judgment. His prophetic witness took him from the south to the northern kingdom where things were worse. The leaders of the community were more concerned about the aesthetics of worship than the needs of their neighbors. And so Amos went to the northern kingdom to prophesy against the king and against the shrine and against the altar set up and even against the priest Amaziah. We most often remember his famous words that come from the fifth chapter of his book, which speak to liberation, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Today, Amos is prophesying that God is going to drop a plumb line in the midst of Israel. A plumb line is a measuring tool. It has a pointed weight at the bottom of it and hangs from a string. For example, it would be used to make sure that the top of the wall measured exactly with the floor so nothing would be out of place. This is to say God has standards. And the people of Israel were not measuring up to God's standards. These prophetic images are central to understanding life in and with God. The prophet Ezekiel tells us about the rattling of dry bones coming together. The prophet Hosea tells us God has a love as fierce as death which will seek after an unfaithful people. And the prophet Isaiah tells us God has the tender heart of a mother. Jesus Christ, who is the eternal son made flesh, who is the prophet, priest, and king supreme, inherits all of these images and does something different with them. He makes them new. For Jesus taught in parables. A parable is to put things side by side as an extended metaphor or simile given in a narrative form to teach or enlighten. In its original language, a parable simply means to toss alongside. So parables are tossed alongside our reality to teach us about God's reality. The point of the parable is not what comes at the end. The point is to be fully present 
as the story plays out. Hearing parables invite us to live differently in the world. Parables allow us to step into God's reality, to see something in God we did not see before, to see something in our neighbors that we did not see before, and God willing to see something in ourselves that we did not see before. Parables call us to live in the already present yet not fully realized kingdom of God. Because of their metaphorical language, parables violate and transgress and offend what we believe to be true. Parables, narrative parables, are designed to be offensive. Take the prodigal son, for example, who squanders his inheritance in a foreign land, who was a Jewish boy feeding amongst the pigs, is met with forgiveness and compassion and open arms from the loving father. Yet that is supposed to offend us. Or how about the laborers in the vineyard who worked all day in the hot sun, yet when the other workers come and only work for an hour, everyone receives the same wage? That is supposed to offend us. And yet we learn about the kindness and the generosity of our God. So it is today that the parable of the Good Samaritan is our plumb line. If we find ourselves greed and offended, it is we who are out of line, not God. Jesus has a standard of righteousness and mercy for us who choose to follow him, and this is the key to the Good Samaritan. Anytime someone approaches Jesus as teacher or rabbi, there's a riddle involved. So the riddle is that when the lawyer asks Jesus, who is my neighbor, Jesus answers and shows him how to be a neighbor. So if the parable is the plumb line, if the means for the parable is not what comes at the end, but to be fully present as the story plays out, if we are open to being offended and convicted by the words of our Savior, how might we hear the Good Samaritan afresh today? On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What have you heard in the law? What is written? The lawyer responded and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responded and said, you have answered correctly. 
Do this and you will live forever. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked, and who is my neighbor? Jesus told him a story. There was a black trans woman traveling from Maryland to Virginia. When she fell into the hands of robbers, they beat her and stripped her of her clothes, leaving her half dead in a ditch. Happening to be traveling down the same road was a bishop. And when she saw the woman, she passed by on the other side. So too was a dean of a cathedral, and when he saw the woman, pass by on the other side. But it was when a member of the National Rifle Association, when a member of the NRA saw the woman, he had compassion on her. He dropped down, bandaged her wounds, and gave her painkillers, and he picked her up and placed her into his pickup truck. He drove to the ER and stayed with her for the night, and the next day, when he saw the hospital staff, he said, here's my credit card. Charge all the expenses to me and look after her. Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three do you think was a neighbor? The lawyer responds and says, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus replied and said, actually, it's her and go and do likewise.